Welcome to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to support, recruit, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate with you today, families and careers. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed podcast. So today's episode is all going to be geared towards the High School National Barbecue Association with Chef Mike Erickson. So really excited to have him on the show today. And his background, he's got 20 years of experience where he worked as a community college instructor for Austin, Austin Community College. He was a Cordon Blue instructor, and he's got 12 years senior as a high school teacher for culinary arts. So Mike, Chef Mike, I should say. Chef Mike, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule and just to kind of chat with me and, and everybody letting us know what the High School Barbecue Association is all about. I'm really honored to be with you, and obviously, we kind of met through talking about the brigade and and CT brigade, and COVID kind of brought us together. I I think uh, we did a lot of different lesson plan sharing on the CTE brigade uh, Bitmoji site, and the high school barbecue thing has kind of been a labor of love, Uh, and I did a project-based learning uh, assignment with my kids about 12 years ago in Texas at a school where we went all over the state of Texas to learn about beef. And it was inspired by the Kansas Beef Council. We went to Kansas and 30 chefs went and learned from Kansas ranchers and farmers about where does beef and our food come from and how is it raised and how is it processed for going to the grocery store or the butcher shop or to a restaurant. And I wanted that my kids to have that experience. And I'm a, I went to culinary school at the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, and then uh, got my bachelor's degree at Johnson & Wales University. And I had been to the two of the best culinary schools in the United States and been cooking in restaurants and cooking beef, but never been to an actual rancher farm. I grew up in the city. Austin's more of an urban area. And it just kind of changed my whole perspective on what ranchers and farmers do in America. And we can all appreciate that right now with COVID. If ranchers and farmers weren't doing what they were doing to take care of the field and the, and the food and the animals, we wouldn't have food. And they've kind of given me a career, and I always kind of want to say thank you because I wouldn't have been able to teach, learn, or cook food for the last 30 years if it wasn't for the ranchers and farmers in America because they bring all the bounty to our table. But high school barbecue was kind of a transition to that. Obviously, if I do have an accent, I I apologize. I don't think I have a bad Texas accent, but I grew up in Central Texas, and barbecue is part of our state. Obviously, we love beef, but then you've got all kinds of other barbecue all over the United States and in the world. And I thought, what better way to teach meat cookery? We all teach it. I taught it in college. I taught it in high school. When I was in culinary school, they taught us about meat cookery. So why not use the good old-fashioned American tradition of barbecue as a teaching methodology and use project-based learning to bring groups of kids together around a live fire charcoal pit or a wood-fired pit and learn how to cook different kinds of meat, whether it's spare ribs, pork spare ribs, or chicken, or salmon, or I know on the West Coast, tri-tip is huge. I've only cooked it twice in my whole life, 
but I love it. It's delicious and the same kind of style you can get out of it as we would here in Central Texas. But kids loved it. And I was looking for a way that I could engage kids and get them excited about learning. And also, we spend so much time in a commercial kitchen. I thought, hey, wouldn't it be fun to go outside and learn in the fresh air and learn about live fire cooking? Because I kind of have two life experiences that also contributed to this. I was an Eagle Scout in the Boy Scouts of America. So I grew up camping with friends and my family and doing outside kind of Dutch oven cooking. And then over the last five years, I've had the uh, privilege of cooking on a, a real chuck wagon and met a guy that invited me to cook at the Cheyenne Rodeo in Wyoming, the largest out, outdoor rodeo in the United States. And we actually won and got a big old belt buckle. And uh, from there, I was hooked. I was like cooking chicken fried steak and cobbler outside the way that cowboys used to cook it and just really enjoying that whole process. And as a chef, we're always trying to make our food better and learn new techniques and and you know, as you get older, you kind of explore different kinds of cuisines and, and everybody's got a specialty. And I thought, man, I've grown up in Texas and there's Texas all a barbecue all over the United States. Why aren't we teaching kids how to cook on a grill, on a outdoor wood fired you know, pit or something? And ironically, I grew up that way and a lot of places in the United States did. So high school barbecue started at Burn High School, where I currently teach. I've been teaching there for the last five going on six years. And we started a, a little cook-off, and it was inspired. We have an FFA welding program right across the hallway from my kitchen. And I saw them, these kids building these amazing barbecue pits. And I was just blown away at how talented they were and what they had learned how to, to make, but they weren't cooking on them. So I was like, I talked to our FFA teacher, uh, Brandon Evans, and I said, we need to start a barbecue contest. My kids would love to learn how to cook on those pits you guys are building. And your kids will get to eat some great meat and maybe learn some cooking techniques. And the first year we had seven teams locally and we basically did it all in our own community. And, you know, as an educator, we always look for ways that we can fundraise or reach out to the community and build relationships and partnerships. And I was like, that checked all the boxes. I'm going to get judges from my community. I'm going to get my local, you know, chamber of commerce, my school board members, our board of trustees, our administration. I'm going to get donations of meat. I'm going to get my uh, local parents involved because a lot of them had their own equipment. And, and ironically, all over the country, there's adult barbecue teams that they may call it tailgating. A lot of us, you know, college football and, and during certain times of the year, they're cooking outdoors. And whether it's on a pellet cooker or an offset smoker, they do it because it's a passion. And that passion has is, is been around culturally in South Texas. There's a large population of uh, Hispanic Americans that basically, they will cook you under the table. They are so amazing. And then you go to the, the Southeast and you've got a lot of old school, growing up African-American cooks and chefs that basically are carrying on that tradition. And it's all over the country. I mean, Hawaii has their version of barbecue. Kansas City and Chicago, where a lot of the meat came through the United States, has traditions of barbecue. And there's this whole process that I developed, and I developed a curriculum and a, a website, and now the, the National High School Barbecue Association, to show other school districts and other teachers how easy this is to implement into your community and make money for your own kids, for your own program. Engage your kids. Once they eat cook barbecue and they try it for the first time, 
they're hooked, whether it's, you know, brats or it's burgers or it's brisket or fajitas in my part of the world, tri-tip. I mean, it's food. And our job as educators is to prepare them for the world. So those kids that don't want to be chefs, we're teaching them how to take a very nutritious piece of food and turn it into multiple meals. And God forbid, I know it's happened all over the country, but Texans, when we see snowflakes, which is maybe every 100 years, we freak out. We don't know what happens. We don't know how to drive. Our power grid goes down. My wife and daughter spent two days in a hotel with no power, no electricity, and we don't know how to function. But when you can cook live fire outside with no electricity and feed your family and stay warm, it's kind of a good thing to know how to do just in case of those, you know, once in a lifetime emergencies, but uh, natural disasters. Well, I was so just to to talk about, did your wife and daughter, did, were they okay with, cause yeah, with the power going down for you and everything. And cause I have seen videos of like hotels where their plumbing has gone out and flood everything. So was where they were saying everything was fine or was there well, I mean, it was obviously tragic to the state, and there were places where exactly that kind of thing happened. Mine's a little more funny story because we were at a FFA doc show event, and we had basically about 20 pigs with us, and my wife and daughter basically couldn't drive back to our hometown because we had the school district trailer and truck and our FFA teacher and all the other students with their pigs. So we were stranded not only with no electricity and no heating or lights, but we were stranded with animals that we had to take care of. So my daughter and wife, basically, they kept the animals alive. And that's another thing that I respect so much about ranchers and farmers, especially in your area and part of the country. There's a large portion of farmers and ranchers that are dealing with the elements all the time, whether they're going to get rain, whether they're going to get hard freezes or snow. And how that can affect the agriculture, whether it's crops or fruit or, you know, livestock, I mean, it's devastating and it's just sad to watch. But you see grown human beings going out and, you know, up in your area, it's Texans don't know what happens when it gets below 30 degrees. Y'all get that on a regular basis and they're out there. Well, not quite a regular of, basis, but we get it well, often enough. <laughs> I guess I guess you get a little more regulation from the coastline than normal, yeah. but you get some more snow than we ever see probably in a decade. Uh, wow. But it just makes you appreciate. So, I mean, I was very blessed and very thankful that they were safe and no major. We had a, a broken pipe at our barn and we had a broken pipe in our home, but that's all fixable. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we went back to school and the kids for the first time ever got to build snowmen and have a snow day. And, uh, you know, some didn't have it so great, but that was kind of another way that high school barbecue started was when hurricane Katrina happened, all these people from all over the United States, and a lot of them came with bass boats and especially the state of Louisiana is just unbelievable. And they talked about all the bass fishermen that came in with their boats to save people that were, on the top of their houses and their houses were flooded and they never talked about all the barbecue folks. And now there's all kinds of organizations, you know, Operation Barbecue, Mercy Chefs, uh, Jose Andres, World Kitchen, where they go in when a natural disaster happens in a community 
And these barbecue people are the first ones to respond. And that's another kind of byproduct. We, we call it team barbecue, teaching these kids how that they're going to have a skill for life, that there ever was a need or a natural disaster in your own community or in your own area. They've got a built-in work, trained workforce to work with disaster relief, whether it be the Red Cross or Salvation Army or faith-based organizations. These high school kids know how to cook. And they can go out and feed their community and help nourish first responders and nourish. I mean, a big way that high school barbecue teams now in America are using this is they're feeding their campus. They're feeding administration. They're holding competitions. They're working at a local soup kitchen or, you know, a homeless shelter to serve barbecue. They're using it as a fundraiser so they can bring more money back into their educational program and give these kids a, a, a better learning experience. I mean. Uh, and they get to eat. So it really was kind of one of those aha moments. And I, I never realized that high school bass fishing was a thing. But high school bass fishing, high school rodeo, high school clay shooting, high school archery. We don't teach guns, fishing, archery, or bronc ro roping or calf roping in any high school in America. But they keep kids engaged. And they keep kids in school. And they keep kids wanting to learn and keep their grades up so they can be on the bass fishing team. Well, guess what? We teach cooking and home economics and family consumer science and welding and metal shop and ag mechanics and uh, farming and ranching in a lot of schools all over the United States. So it just works with so many different demographics, groups of kids. And part of our whole branding and our logo is... I mean, the United States is our national, we're the National High School Barbecue Association, but we have an association for every state in America, and it's got red, white, and blue flags because we are all Americans, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, Southwest. We are all Americans, and we all need each other, and we need to love each other. And that was kind of just a, another byproduct with everything that's happening in the world. Barbecue brings people together from whether it's a rich community, a poor community, Brown, white, black, it doesn't matter. Everybody loves to cook. Everybody loves to share a meal at the table. And barbecue is just communal. And I think that's why it's such an American tradition that is kind of stuck around since it's got it got here. Yeah. Well, I, I absolutely agree with you because um, it, food is communal. It It is what brings people together. It's what you know, either weddings, funerals, what, uh, showers, uh, baby showers, or graduation ceremonies. Um, there's so many different life events that is always centered around food. And food to either nourish you or food that is going to uplift you. It is always, it's always there. It is something that all that brings us all together and where we, everybody could break bread. And that is, and that is something huge that nothing else can do. Nothing else can help bring people together the way food can. It's the number one thing that we need. Our bodies have to have nourishment. And that's why I respect ranchers and farmers so much, because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a life. We wouldn't have jobs. We wouldn't have homes where our kids and our families are, are fed and nourished. And you look at the, the gratitude you can have to be able to take that product that they create and turn it into something that's going to someone else is going to consume 
and feed their soul. I mean, there's something magical about that. And it really is, like you said, it's cultural and it's there's family traditions. And we think about certain types of food at certain times of year. I actually just had my first Black Rock steak tonight, and I had never had that process of cooking my own meat on a Black Rock. But I, it, it took me back to all these other food experiences where it's like every part of the country has the, these unique kind of food memories and food traditions that it's neat to share and be able to, to honor. And, and barbecue is, you know, we, we'd love to say Texas invented it, but that's not true. But we're proud of barbecue. and We have probably you know, a lot of cattle ranchers, probably more than anybody in the United States, except maybe can, uh, Kansas or a few other places. But in other parts of the, the United States, it's all about pig and whole hog and pulled pork and roasted meats and all these kinds of traditions. So, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. And we don't use the word tailgate very often, but there really is a, not, there's a, a new phenomenon that they call the steak off. Uh, and it's basically you can go on any weekend, just about anywhere in America. And, and now it's all over the world. I think they're in 30 countries where you can grill a ribeye. And you could win a thousand dollars, and it's something that, once again, it's that live fire, you know, charcoal and wood cooking style that we're trying to start with middle schoolers because I truly believe. I mean, I started cooking when I was in Boy Scouts, like ten years old, and on over a live fire and learning about the process of cooking at a campfire. Well, we get young people in middle school excited about this, then it leads them to joining our vocation, maybe a CTE program when they get into high school, whether it's SCCLA or FFA or, you know, Skills USA, all of those organizations have a cooking element or they have a welding element or they have a, a service element where we need to serve our community. And I'm the advisor for our FCCLA chapter at our school. And, you know, a big part of FCCLA's mission is to serve others and to take the FCCLA family values out into the community. And I mean, I, I don't want to say I stole it, but our whole tagline, it's basically about education, barbecue, and family. That's really what National High School Barbecue is about, is it's about education, barbecue, and family, bringing families back together. And I'm sure you've noticed this, but over the years, families have not passed down traditions like they used to, because mom and dads are all working full time or sometimes two jobs and the kids are learning to cook for themselves. We don't want to lose some of these traditions. And we see it happening right now with butcher shops across America that used to be able to have a small town butcher. And now they're, they're a lot bigger companies. And I think there's a good balance to have with both because otherwise we lose the art and the skill and the tradition of, you know, where did the word tailgate come from? I don't, I'm not sure. Probably pickup trucks and cooking on the back of it. But, you know, live fire has been around since the chuck wagon days, you know, and, and ra American rangers and pioneers out in the open range cooking what they had. Uh, and there's something about that that just makes you proud to be able to take that product and cook it and make it taste good. Well, so I have a great memory of growing up in Issaquah. There is a, and it's still there, but it was, it's a butcher. Um, it's, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name of it all of a sudden, but it was Issaquah Butcher uh, on Front Street. And I remember as a kid, my my dad took me in uh, like on a Saturday morning and we'd get our fresh meats. 
and um, the it was an owner or maybe just somebody who works there. But I was young. I was about eight or nine years old. And they offered to take me into the back uh, and show me the plant. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I remember that vividly to this day of being able being walked back and going into their plant in the very back area, seeing where things come in and what they had to do. And um, with because they would get these humongous slabs and then how they broke it down and, and the process of everything. So I remember that. And I have a I have a great respect for for butchers and um, what they have to do. <laughs> and my um, right now, my students are finishing up their knife skills uh, digital workbook. And I've through this COVID experience, we've not been able to touch on the careers aspect uh, like we normally would. So in my digital uh, notebooks, I now have a careers section for each each of my notebooks. Well, for my knife, uh, my knife skills workbook, I have a butcher as the, the career uh, where they have to actually go into the occupational handbook and look up like how much does a butcher on average make and what is the job entailed? Do they have to have any certificates or endorsements support for an educational background? So that, and I, I thought it was just a perfect pairing with knives and a butcher and everything. So I thought I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. And ironically, you know, CTE and vocational education is really making a comeback. But I think there's a need for about 130,000 butchers in America. And we were just talking about this tonight. It's like, you know, there's a lot of jobs that people don't know that are out there that exist that you don't need a college education for, that you can make a tremendous living. And being a chef or being a butcher or owning a restaurant or being raising food, there's nothing more satisfying than being able to deliver something that people, I mean, the experience of butcher, I thought about it one time going back older in my career to take a whole animal butchery class to open a butcher shop and just found out recently, my father-in-law is 84 and he broke his foot about a month ago and fell off a ladder and had to have surgery. And we've had him at our house uh, during COVID to keep him safe and learned all kinds of old stories that his dad owned one of the original meat markets and made his own sausage and had his own slaughtering facility in Belleville, Texas. And if you know anything about Belleville, it's a small community. And he was probably the first place anybody could get food in that area. And he owned the grocery store and the meat market and all this. And just finding out a lot of history that I didn't even know was in my wife's family. Uh, and it's just kind of neat to see how, you know, I think history repeats itself a lot of times. And I think in a, we're in a phase where we're going back to craftsmanship and artisanship and homemade and handmade. And, and people want to go and know their butcher, where they get their meat, where it comes from, how it's cut, and actually see and be able to say, hey, I want a one and a half inch cut steak or ribeye and, and have a little bit of influence. And there's a trust factor, you know. And, no, and that skill is dying, but uh, it's something we need to teach our kids. Well, there's that. And gosh, I just know from, so living in the greater Seattle area all of my life and then moving over to Eastern Washington, I have, we have been buying like half of a cow for the last couple of years. And, and then 
they the butcher asking us well what what kinds of meats do you want do you want cubes do you want steaks do you want uh uh fillets and all sorts of different styles of different cuts and i'm like oh gosh i actually have to I have to think about it and start researching like all the various styles of cuts of meats that they're available to me. And, and then I'm finding like, Oh, there's all these different styles of cuts I've never even heard of. And it's like, Oh, it's overwhelming. Well, my daughter's going to kill me right now, but I have a 300 pound uh, Chester pig. She just finished showing her two pigs and they, one made sale and one didn't. And I'm like, okay, nine more days and if nobody wants to buy this pig to breed it it might become bacon and pork chops and she's about in tears and i'm like honey that's the circle of life where do you think meat comes from where do you think it it doesn't come from walmart or heb or kroger's or albertson or trader joe's or whole foods it comes from ranchers and butchers and farmers that then they deliver it uh and i think our our young people have been kind of detached from our system of food and where it comes from. And I think we're getting back to that. I mean, you guys have a tradi- a, an amazing tradition of agriculture in Washington. And I know apples is one thing that, you know, parts of Washington and wine is another thing that is, uh, you know, obviously wine. we can't talk. <laughs> well, oh, yes, we can. We cook with wine. It's all right. I, I guess we're cooking with wine and we're talking to teachers too. And yes. I'm sure a lot of teachers on this are going to be like, we have wine every Friday <laughs> after school when we're grading papers. Yeah. Or, or just cooking and making a delicious Bordeaux sauce. Uh, there's all sorts of different uh, ways of cooking, but yeah, here in Washington, we're, we're known as the apple state, but um, just an hour oh, southeast of me, there's Walla Walla, and that's where our uh-huh. sweet onions come from. Uh, and then just our neighbor state is Idaho, where we get the the russet potato. Um, you know, we have great agriculture, and a gal who's on my the, my uh, executive FCS board, she is a rancher in. Um, Oh, the Yakima area. So Dottie is a rancher and she is busy as all get out right now calving. And yeah. she's a FCS teacher and she does all of that. She's She is amazing. And just hearing the stories that she is able to share, much like with what you're talking about. Well, and that's the fun part is you can take your kids to either virtually have a Zoom call and meet them or go on a virtual farm tour or there's a lot of resources out there that didn't exist in the last year that are, you know, virtual. I actually, they turned my project-based learning into a documentary film. It was called True Beef from Pasture to Plate. And basically the American Farm Bureau Fe- Federation turned it into curriculum. So you can actually see it and watch the video and download the curriculum for the American Farm Bureau uh, Foundation website. And it's free for the curriculum. The video, I think, is nine dollars. Uh, it all goes to you know charity or to their foundation. But it's a great way to kind of connect kids. Of I mean, we went and visited a, a whole animal small boutique butcher shop. We got to make barbecue with Aaron Franklin, who in Texas he's one of the only chefs that's won the James Be- James Beard Award for barbecue. Uh, learned how to make sausage. We did burgers. And a lot of it is what inspired the National High School Barbecue Association was, you know, I learned all about that process, but now let's go into the cooking techniques. Mm-hmm. Let's look at slow and low 
cooking methods. Let's look at braise. Let's look at grilling. Uh, let's look at Dutch oven or what we call stews or cas casseroles or chili and really get kids excited about that. And I know a, a good friend of mine teaches in Fort Worth and she does a chuck wagon extravaganza and her project is, okay, you're a cowboy back in the olden days. You're going to get a budget and here are the ingredients you have to work for, plan a menu for a chuck wagon camp out. And then they go on a camping trip for the weekend and it's kind of a senior trip kind of thing. But uh, there's a lot of fun things that I've learned from educators across the country about how they integrate their state's agriculture. I was talking to a gentleman up in Vermont, and I was like, man, you need to make a maple syrup project and share video about that process so we could share that with teachers and kids all over the United States. Because just as you said, I've got tons of hyperdocs and digital notebooks and different things now where I plug that stuff in and I add it as I see a good video on here's how they harvest apples in Washington. Here's how they make apple cider uh, and all the things that y'all probably do and grow up with. We don't have very good apples in Texas. We've got a few people trying, but it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. I, I love that idea. So, well, I want to go back to just a little bit. So how would one join the National uh, Barbecue Association. How how do you what is that process like? Because like before the show, I mentioned that my CTE director came to me not that long ago, asking, "Hey, is there any other way that you know we can our FCS department who teaches? We're not a um, we don't have a, a professional a tech. kitchen, and yeah. so we don't have that, but." is uh, joining with our FFA and agriculture team and welding team to create these barbecue pits um, and see how we can create our own like barbecue league is what you're referring to. So how can you walk me through like what that process would be like? Well, it's, it's, it's a combination of based on little league baseball and 4-H. Uh, they're both built on charter systems. So your high school, uh, your school district can get a charter for the Washington uh, High School Barbecue Association, and you'd basically be able to host events. And whether it's you just want to teach it in the classroom or you want to do our project-based learning uh, process, which we call the SLAB, we just started it two days ago. We've got two teams from Washington right now where basically it's a project-based learning uh, project over a three or four month period with certain criteria where your kids can learn about cooking meat, barbecue, and different kinds of things about all over the United States. And we actually are inviting the top 10 winners of that virtual contest to our national championship, which is an in-person cooking event. And then we're also looking at inviting them to the world food championship, which next year it's in Dallas this fall, and then it'll move to Indianapolis uh, uh, Indiana for the next two years. And it goes all over the country where they're doing some of the best chefs and pit masters and home cooks from all of the United States that work with Walmart. So there's, it depends on how you want to in incorporate it into your program. And we have some school districts that are using it just with culinary arts or a, a program, a pro start program or skills USA. We have some school districts that are doing it as part of their welding or their FFA. We've got some high school principals and superintendents that are using it as part of a campus-wide 
club just to engage those at-risk kids, to get them involved in something. And this is the one thing that anybody can be on the team. You could be big, tall, you know, smart, whatever, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Barbecue is democratic. And we've even got, we've talked to two different special ed programs about how can we start a special education uh, part of this, whether a special ed student would be on a, a team with four other students because typically our high school barbecue teams are made up of five kids. And those five kids will prepare five different things. And we do uh, pork spare ribs. We do uh, half a chicken or uh, another style of, of chicken. We do a New York strip steak. We do dessert. And then every August before school starts, we draw what we call a mystery ingredient. And it may be tri-tip. Nobody on the, on the Midwest not many of them have cooked tri-tip or on the East Coast. So that may be an advantage for West Coast folks. We may do fajitas one year. And yeah, it's a, a Texas thing or a Southwestern thing, but people are cooking all over the United States. They're some of the best chefs in y'all state and Seattle and Oregon and all across the West Coast. And they're all over America. That That's the fun part is I look at it a lot like little league baseball or college football. There's a lot of smack talk. And I, I actually, we had a school from Georgia drop out uh, yesterday. So I had to pair the other Washington school against a, a different state. And he's like, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to be paired against another state. I don't mind, but I really want to compete against my crosstown Washington rival. And I want to show him how we cook barbecue and take him down. And I was like, hey, if that's what you'd like to do, more than happy. And we can see that we've had several schools do what we call the Friday night lights and it's at a football game where their crosstown rival is coming in and they're like okay not only are you going to have a football game but we're going to have a barbecue tailgate competition give away an award at halftime when the band's playing and then also feed and sell some barbecue plates or brisket sandwiches or full pork sandwiches and show off our kids and let yeah. them have fun and these are kids that are not traditionally they might not be on the sports team. They might not be a cheerleader or in band. They might not be a straight A student, but they love to eat and they get behind the pit. And I've seen it change kids' life, lives, including my own child, who ironically, we didn't grow up in an agriculture family, but now she's the district president of her FFA. She's on the range team. She's on the meat judging team. Just came in 13th in her first contest against kids from all over the state. She's raising pigs, she's raised lambs, and she won grand champion chicken. And my wife cried, I cried. She had this big award, never done it before. And then she went to the World Food Championship and she actually beat me and our high school team. And they won first place as, out of all the teams in the United States at World Food Championship. So it was, uh, it's that been awesome a to see. proud father moment right there. Well, it, it's a proud father moment, but it's also, there's some kids that have never won anything ever. Mm -hmm. They haven't gotten a ribbon or a trophy or been praised for being good at something. And it sounds simple, but being praised as the best cook or the best chef or the best, whatever your family recipe is, that's how it starts. We want kids to have positive learning experiences. We want to promote them and build their self-esteem. We want them to become amazing human beings. And I see barbecue as a way to do that because it, it, 
it brings all the people together. Their grandparents, their teachers, their administration can all come cheer them on. And believe it or not, this is going to sound crazy. And I would say it's nuts talking about it even now, but we actually were able to film a television show that was on, uh, it was for the Food Network on the Discovery Cooking Challenge uh, channel called uh, Varsity Barbecue. And it was filmed at my high school. And they had a pep rally for kids cooking. And they had got to be recognized as a team just like any other young adults at high schools across America, for they were the barbecue team for Burnett High School. We called ourselves the Iron, uh, or actually that year we were the underdogs. <laughs> I was like, we want to have a name that says, you know, root for us. And the underdogs, there's a, a country song about the underdogs. So our kids were like, everybody loves the underdogs. Let's be the underdogs that year. And then next year, the, the class was like, we can't be the underdogs. That's like the bad news bears. We need a cooler name. So We've changed our name to the Iron Dogs now, and uh, it's been a, a fun experience. And through that, we were able to get a $14,000 race car, top-of-the-line barbecue pit that our school district and local community paid for, that now our district owns that as an asset, and it's like a part of the bus fleet. So if you need to check it out, you go to our where all of our buses and trucks and vans and vehicles are, and you can check out the, the, the Iron Dogs to cook on for anything in the district. And that's where it becomes part of the community. We have middle schools and coaches that can use it. Anybody that wants to cook on it, if they've got a need or they're doing a fundraiser, now you've got that resource. Kind of like, I know there's a lot of schools on the West Coast that are doing food trucks now. Yeah, And food trucks have kind of been a, yeah, a, a pretty hot thing. Yeah. That I wanted a food truck, but a food truck is going to be, Fifty to $100,000, a barbecue pit. The reality is, and our organization is set up that you can borrow most of the equipment you need in the beginning to start. For the first two years, I had no equipment. I just borrowed it from our community. And that brought, especially male role models, but it brought a lot of adults to our campus to work with our kids and mentor our kids. And then slowly I bought equipment, but now we've designed it to where the reality is for about $1,500 worth of barbecue equipment, you could have a team or you could have five different small versions of that. And for a couple thousand dollars, you're going to impact a whole group of kids, your campus, you're going to be well-fed. You know, our tagline is come eat our homework. Mm -hmm. And that's what we tell all of our judges and all of our administration. When you get a high school barbecue team, the next thing you say is, hey, we'd like to invite you to come eat our homework and be a judge. And they're like, what time I want to be there. Tell me when I'm, I'm ready to eat. So, uh, I mean, it just works. And I, I, I truly move my heart teaching for so many years that kids need something that is just fun, mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to be over systematic, rigorous, all the buzzwords we hear in education all the time, all the standardized testing every now and then kids just need to be kids and we don't teach them how to change a tire how to balance their checkbook, how to plan for their future. But they all should know how to cook, whether they're in a culinary class or not. That's a life skill. They're all going to be young adults some someday. And I really hate that they took a lot of home economics programs. They're cutting them back in some places, and they're not as strong as they used to be. And it's one of the dumbest decisions I think our country and our school systems have ever made because FCS and home economics teachers 
taught a lot of the life skills that nobody else learned. And mom and dads are not all teaching it today. How to sew a button on a, a jacket, how to, you know, all the uh, change the tire, do the basic foundation of how to take care of a child. We're doing the uh, flower babies right now in my hallway. And I've got kids walking around with five pound flower babies that they decorated and they've named. And I'm like, see, that's what happens when you have a child. It goes with you everywhere. You've mm-hmm. got to feed it. You've got to change the diaper. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, you, it's just something you, that you never think about. Yeah. Well, and also with those flower babies, you could also put it over into the, like the cell phone strategy. This is what I do. At least I'm like, your cell phone is your baby. You don't, you don't, you plug it in. So it's being, your baby is always being fed. <laughs> you never leave your cell phone. So you never leave your baby alone. <laughs> it it goes with you wherever you go. And so I, for my kids, since um, uh, I don't teach any of the, like the, the early childhood development or human uh, development classes right now, but that is just an analogy that I like to use with for my students in my class, but I'm looking at your website and I love it how you have like the quality components of career and technical education and you have the academic and skills area, academic and uh, technical skills, college and career readiness, the project-based learning, leadership and 21st century skills through various clubs and high school barbecue and how that all encompasses what CTE is. So I know for at least my CTE director who is wanting our district to put together a high school barbecue league, it fits all of the things that we can do. It's just now trying to figure out how can we, how can we create something like that? So that is the well, step. And they probably didn't know it existed, but we now have the Maslow's hierarchy of Q, and we call it the seven C's of barbecue. Critical thinking, collaboration, communication, cooking, citizenship, someone added consumption, and the best part is craving. And craving is student engagement. Craving is why we need to get our kids excited about learning, and barbecue is a vehicle to get kids to read, to read a recipe to learn time management, to learn stress, to learn social skills, to learn life skills, everything that CTE does, that's our job. And just whether you do this as a one-week project or a high school club or a competitive team, there's ways in all of our programs across the country that you can integrate this into. And our curriculum has kind of broken it down. We also have a thing called STU, which is science, technology, engineering, and welding, which is tying barbecue into traditional STEM, where you've got to learn the chemistry of smoke. You've got to learn heat transfer. You've got to learn design and process of how you build a pit. In welding, you've got to learn all the different types of welds and how to fabricate metal and put something together. And there's a, a real big trend right now with a thing called ugly drums. And ugly drums are basically recycled drums that they turn into smokers. And they're very, very inexpensive, but they're a great way to cook. And they call it hot and fast cooking. But you can cook some of the best ribs or brisket you've ever seen. And they're very affordable. You can build one for a couple hundred dollars. 
You can customize it with all of your school colors and custom cutouts and, you know, your logo. Our Vernon High School, we like to uh, be proud. We're the Bulldogs. And uh, it's all about spirit, pride, and honor at our school. And everything we do is about spirit, pride, and honor. So we've got the Iron Dog. And it's black and green, our school colors. And it's got our school flag on it. And we fly the American flag as big and, and high as we can fly it. And we basically promote school spirit through this organization we call Team Barbecue. And Team Barbecue is basically the service side of this. It's the, the group of kids that want to go out and they want to cook and show off to the community what they've learned. They want to serve others. And that's a skill I think that's lost. In a lot of other areas in education today, we do a pretty good job in, in CTE and, and FCS classes, but we need to kid, teach our kids it's not always about them. It's about others. It's about serving, giving back to your community, finding a way that you can contribute, and where there's a need, you go and help. And barbecue does that in a lot of ways as well. So, you know, it, it for me personally, and, and I'm in Texas, and I believe in, in Jesus Christ, and God has kind of brought this into my life, and I feel like it was a journey that I went on, and I couldn't just sit there and go, we had ESPN, the New York Times, Discovery Channel, we made national news, we had some of the best barbecue pitmasters in the United States coming to our small, rural ranching and farming community, and, and now it's very big on hunting. Uh, outside of Austin, Texas, which is a big metropolitan city, to come teach our kids. And that just blew me away. We had a, a woman, her name was Melissa Cookston. She's the number one female pitmaster in the United States, come down and speak. We had Stephen Reichlin, who's the author of the Barbecue Bible. He has over, you know, 20 plus books and television shows and all kinds of people that were engaging with our kids that never had a reason to come to burn it before. And now they're coming to work with their young people and share their passion and share their knowledge. And there's many high school barbecue teams across the country. And if you haven't met this uh, company or this person, I'm going to give you the inside scoop. I think it's called, and I don't know if ASS is appropriate on the show, but it's called mm -hmm. Bit Badass, Badass Barbecue Sauce. And they're in 300 stores all over the West Coast. He reached out to me. I think they're based in, in Oregon. And he said, I'm looking for a way that I can support a high school barbecue team in y'all's area. And I had no, I mean, barbecue sauce and barbecue is regional. I had never heard of that sauce or brand. And now I'm like, I want to try it. And I want to see, you know, where can I get it in my local area? And that's happening across the country. There is rub companies and there's charcoal companies and there's barbecue pit companies. And the biggest is there's meat companies that are all looking and, and seeing hey, now we can show and find ways to teach kids about what we do. And they call it consumer marketing. We call it education or entertainment or project-based learning, but it's all about giving our kids knowledge and turning them into good, good young adults, you know, because they're going to go out and represent our community someday. Well, Mike, this has been a powerhouse of a conversation. And you need to come back on and do like an episode two because you have so much, you have such a wealth of information, not only just because you are the, the founder of this organization, but because of your passions 
And that is exciting. And you mentioned this before the show. This is all about the power of multiple minds and what this year has done for us. Yes, it has flipped us upside down and to really reanalyze all of our standards and everything that we have, our craft uh, of education and teaching and learning has been turned upside down. But the power of multiple minds where we have, we've reinvented ourselves and we've become better in the high school barbecue association is just one uh, one of many examples of why yes covid sucks but the silver lining you can say that again covid sucks and uh, just for all the people that have been hurt and the people we've lost we lost our assistant principal in our own school district and it was the hardest year of my whole life i just lost two of my best friends this week and that's what brings us together as human beings and teachers know that better than anybody. We are a passionate group. We don't do it for the money. We love children. We want to make an impact. And, you know, I just want to see that grow in other places. And I, I appreciate you having me on your show. Ironically, we're going to start a podcast this fall called the slab. And I would like to invite you to be on that podcast. And you may be my new mentor because we want to have more interviews like this about food and, and high school barbecue and getting, I met a young lady in Texas and I'm going to have her on the show, probably one of my first shows. And she is the steak queen. And I didn't know there was a steak queen, but there's also a steak princess. And she's 14 years old in middle school in the eighth grade. And she is a, a beast behind the grill. And it's funny because at our own high school for three years, Three of the four years we did this, we had a all-girls team win one year, and it was the Jalapeno Hotties. Then the second year, we had a single female, and she was the original Jalapeno Hottie, and she cooked by herself and beat teams of five boys, which is just awesome. And, and all these young women that are getting in there beating up on some of these guys, and it's just great because I've got a teenage daughter and I want to make sure that she knows she can do anything anybody can do, whether it's a boy or a girl. All she's got to do is put her mind to it. Uh, and I hope you guys will visit. It's the high school barbecue league.com uh, or the national high school barbecue association and check out our podcast. And uh, really thank you for letting me be a part of it in my re retirement plan. In the next five years, you're going to see a barbecue bus driving across America. And one of my first stops is going to be Washington because I used to teach wine when I was at Le Cordon Bleu. We would do wine tastings. And I, I took my first level sommelier certification and then it got really hard. <laughs> they wanted you to identify every grape, what country it came from. And it was like mind blowing. The, the sommeliers that are out, out there, the master sommeliers, I don't see how they do it. But uh, it's been a, a blast and I'm really blessed to be able to share this. And, and thank you for what you do because you're sharing CTE and FCS all over the United States and getting people excited about connecting with schools and teachers because we need their help. We need you to engage with your local community. We need more parents involved at the high school level because moms and dads are great in elementary school and middle school. And then as they go, get older, I hate to say it, moms are more engaged always because they're moms, <laughs> but the dads, sometimes they're, they're not as there as much. And, 
barbecue is a way to get some more men on campus and working with our kids because there's a lot of kids out there that just need a mentor or a male role model or share your career. Mm -hmm. Talk about what you do for a living. And I've met, you know, they love barbecue, but they're an international real estate broker or they're an engineer. And then the kids get to learn, wow, you like to cook, but your full-time job is your, uh, you know, whatever it is. That's it. That's a win-win for everybody. And then I know you guys have some great colleges up in, in your area. There's a lot of colleges that have meat science programs and they teach about agriculture. Or they teach about butchery. Take your kids on a field trip. Go visit that local facility or that local grocery store butcher shop and, and share that with your students because they don't learn the way we learn. It's not about sit and get anymore. It's not about books and lectures. It's about experiences. It's about doing it with their hands. And that experiential or project-based learning just seems to be a model for uh, CTE that we do real well mm-hmm. that a lot of other people are looking at and going, we need to do what our CTE department's doing all these years and start making our, our classes more fun. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said about being able to play with your hands because it that learning just by that kinesthetic learning with your hands, it goes up into the into your brain where the, all of a sudden it becomes not just short-term knowledge, it becomes long-term knowledge. So there's a lot to be said about all of that. But Chef Mike, we're better because of you. And thank you so much for sharing your wealth of information and your knowledge, your passion, your drive, your charisma. This has been an absolute joy. So thank you so much for being. Well, thank y'all. And it's really nice to meet everybody. And uh, if I can ever help, I'm on Facebook or on the, uh, you know, on the internet. And I'd love to reach out and, you know, collaborate because we all can learn from each other. And that was the whole process of this COVID thing that I learned was, you know, the CT Brigade is really about teachers all over America that are sharing best practices and sharing things that they've done well for years but we never really thought that we could connect that way. And now we have that way. So I hope to to become better friends and connect more with everybody and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. We need teachers more than ever today. We are the future. Our kids are our future. And, you know, your show is one of those things where we're making each other better. So thank you for having me on and uh, y'all be safe. You too. Oh, and I get my vaccine. I'm so excited. I just got the, I'm getting my, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. COVID moment. Just found out I'm getting it this Saturday when I get back to, to Texas. So I am over the moon. I've been waiting for that vaccine forever, just to another layer of security. So that's what we all need. Oh, well, good. Well, you're going to have to take post a picture when you have your, uh, your card, your vaccine right. card, and you post that. But I will be sure to add all of your links and everything. So with people coming to my site or finding it on Facebook or anything, they will have all of your taglines. And so people will be able how to get in touch with Chef Mike. You got it. Nice to see you. Take care, y'all. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Each episode on the Connect FCS Ed podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families everywhere. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community. 
that home economics is alive and well. Thanks again for spending your time with me today. And be sure to visit fcspodcast.com for past episodes and resources to help spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.